Hello viewers, once again it's me, Ewerwan Nomren, and this is my channel, It Pays to Fear God. This is where we learn about God, His beloved Son, Jesus Christ, and their kingdom purpose, the three most important subjects that we can ever learn about, talk about, or discuss in the entire Holy Bible, according to John chapter 17, verse 3. The subject that we are going to be learning about today is a very interesting subject, and that subject is captioned Joseph and his brothers. However, before we get into that, I once again have a tune that some of us might enjoy, and while the tune's playing, you can go ahead and click the subscribe button and also the notification bell so that you can be notified when we make future uploads. Once again, the subject that we are going to be learning about today is captioned Joseph and his brothers. And I'll be inviting my brother to come tell us some interesting things about this subject. The story of Joseph and his brothers is one of the most popular stories in the Bible. But what exactly does it mean, especially for us Christians today? Well, the first thing we have to look at is envy. In Genesis chapter 37 verse 4, Joseph's brothers hated Joseph. He was the one getting all the love from their dad. He was the one who got that special coat. Jacob loved Joseph more than all of his other sons, and his other sons got mad at that. And it got worse in verses 8 and 11 when Jacob told his brothers, yeah, I'm going to rule over you someday. That was not very good news to hear after everything that Joseph was already getting. And so in verses 18 to 20, they plotted to kill Joseph. And if it wasn't for Reuben uh, telling them to put him in a pit instead, they would have just murdered him when he arrived. Now, this story obviously doesn't put envy in a very good light. Envy is a negative influence. It is the rottenness of bones, according to Proverbs chapter 14, verse 30. And it causes a lot of evil. For where envyings and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. James chapter 3, verse 16. And envy isn't just a causer of evil. It is itself evil, according to Romans chapter 1, verses 28 to 32. Therefore, we shouldn't be envious. We should take the example of Jonathan in 1 Samuel chapter 23, verses 16 and 17. Jonathan didn't envy David like his father had done, because David's kingship would mean he wouldn't be king. No, he supported David's kingship. He supported 
the fact that Jonathan could only settle for second place. And instead of being envious of David, he was, became friends with David. We have to rejoice at other people's successes, according to Romans chapter 12, verse 15, so that we can love our neighbor as ourself. One of the biggest commandments of the law, according to Galatians chapter 5, verse 14. Now let's look at integrity. And Joseph showed integrity in Genesis chapter 39. After being enslaved by his brothers, Joseph ended up in the house of Potiphar. And he was doing fine until Potiphar's wife asked him to sleep with him. But Joseph refused because he knew that God didn't like that. And even though there was no sort of law existing at the time, Joseph would be proven by Exodus chapter 20, verse 14, a concrete commandment saying, you can't commit adultery. It's just not allowed. It is evil. And despite her multiple attempts, Potiphar's wife couldn't convince Joseph to do such a thing because Joseph stuck by his principles. He didn't want to do it, so he didn't do it. And it is important for us to show integrity in our lives. For the integrity of the upright shall guide them, and the perverseness of transgressors shall destroy them. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 3. It is a requirement to being a good Christian. Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? He that walketh uprightly, and worketh righteousness, and speaketh the truth in his heart. Psalms chapter 15, verses 1 and 2. Why is integrity so important? Because God is a person of integrity. According to Psalms chapter 119, verse 137. Righteous art thou, O Lord, and upright are thy judgments. And it is because of his integrity that we haven't been destroyed. According to Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. Because if God wasn't a God of integrity, he would have just seen what Adam and Eve had done and say, oh, these people can't even listen to me. I'm just going to destroy them. He would have gotten fed up with Noah's world. He would have gotten fed up with Israel. There wouldn't be any faith today because there wouldn't even be humanity today. Now, next, let's look at the idea of reaping what you sow. And this was shown in Genesis chapters 42 to 44. Joseph when he saw that his brothers were now in Egypt because of the famine that had swept the land, he was the governor at this point, and I'll get to that later, he wanted to have a little fun with his brothers. He said, you guys are spies. You guys are trying to find out the secrets of the land, and if you want to prove that you are not trying to undermine Egypt, you have got to go and bring your brother here, and I'll keep one of your other brothers here to make sure that that guy comes to my palace. The brothers uh, were obviously shocked, and they wanted to get out of it, but they couldn't. They needed food, and Joseph would only provide that food if they could prove that they weren't spies, so they had to go and get food. This joke was able to work 
because although Joseph recognized his brothers, they didn't recognize him. They just thought he was some Egyptian dude who was in charge of the food. And eventually, they brought this brother to Joseph, and they had dinner. But as they were leaving, Joseph had planted a cup in Benjamin's sack and told his servant to go run after them and, and tell them to inspect their bags. And of course, once they found the cup in there, they thought that they had stolen something, they were framed, and they came back to the palace only for Joseph to tell them that since the cup was in Benjamin's sack, Benjamin would have to become his servant. And it was only after Judah's pleas that Joseph finally revealed himself to them. Again, it was all for fun, but his brothers didn't see it that way. They thought in verse 21 that they were getting what they deserved in chapter 42, verse 21, that is, of Genesis. They thought that because they had sinned by attempting to kill their brother and by finally sending him into slavery, they were being rewarded for what they had done. They were being given their just dessert. And even though the brothers were wrong, in the sense that Joseph was just playing a prank on them, this principle works in a lot of other areas. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Galatians chapter 6 verse 7. There are consequences for actions. It is a law that governs our existence both physically and spiritually. And the way it works spiritually is that God is able to look at everyone's hearts and judge them. I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his works and according to the fruit of his doings. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 10. But what are these works? What are these rewards? Well, works are simply the combined lifestyle that you've done, all your actions combined. What have you been in your life, a good person or a bad person? If you're a good person, you will get eternal life, and if you're a bad person, you will get death, according to Galatians chapter 6, verse 8. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Galatians chapter 6 verse 8. And it is important for us to note that this life is not in heaven. As I said in my talk, where do the dead go? But rather, it is right here on earth according to Psalms chapter 37, verse 11. But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. And next, let's look at the idea of God's protection. Because in Genesis chapter 45, verses 5 to 8, Joseph told his brothers, don't worry about the evil you might have done to me because God has turned it into good. He's bringing you guys everyone in Israel, Jacob's sons, here so that the line of Israel won't die. This passage can tell us two things. One, God works in interesting ways to fulfill his purpose sometimes. For example, 
in Exodus chapter 3, God chose a shepherd, just an average shepherd, working outside of Egypt to bring his people to Canaan. And in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 1 to 13, God chose Jesse's youngest son in a time when it was the oldest son that meant everything to rule the entire land of Israel. So God choosing a slave to make sure his people survived a famine isn't anything special. But a more important thing to learn from this passage is that God will always protect his true children when they are in need. In Genesis chapter 8 verse 1, God stopped the flood because Noah and his family were in the boat. They couldn't just stay in there forever. They would either suffocate or die or something bad could happen to them. So God made sure that they could reach dry land and reestablish humanity. In Exodus chapter 2 verses 23 to 25, God listened to the pleas of the children of Israel and brought them out of slavery in Egypt. And in Ezra chapter 1, God again rescued his children from exile in Babylon, not just for their own well-being, but also to fulfill the prophecies of Jeremiah. And this whole land shall be a desolation and an astonishment. And these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. Jeremiah chapter 25, verse 11. This was where they were to be sentenced to go to Babylon. But Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 10 said that they would end up going back home. For thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you. He would visit them to come back to their land and reestablish them, themselves there and just get to resume the lives they had before. And finally, let's look at forgiveness. In Genesis chapter 50, verses 15 to 21, Joseph was asked by his brothers, hey, please forgive us. I mean, I know our father's dead, so you have the ability to kill us all, but please don't kill us. But Joseph said, no, I'm not going to take revenge or anything. As I said before, I have no right to tamper with something that God has established. God has turned your evil into good, and I have no right to turn that good back to evil. And also, nobody has the right to take vengeance on another. It is God who has that right. Romans chapter 12, verse 19. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. So he forgave them and gave them space to live in Egypt. And the reason why forgiveness is so important is pretty simple. If we forgive others, then God will forgive us. And if we don't forgive others, God will not forgive us, according to Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. And this was perfectly illustrated in the parable of the unforgiving servant in Matthew chapter 18, 
verses 23 to 34. In that parable, a Lord had forgiven his servant of millions of dollars, but that same servant couldn't forgive one of his fellow servants of a few dollars. And when the Lord heard about this, he called that original servant over and told him that since he couldn't forgive such a small sum, he was going to have to go to jail and pay every last dollar of those millions that he owed. At verse 35, Jesus concluded the parable by saying that God will act like this Lord if we don't forgive the people around us. Now, the idea that I've left for last is the theme of this story, and that is prophecy. Joseph made six prophecies in his story. He had those two prophetic dreams from the beginning in Genesis chapter 37 verses 5 to 9 that would end up coming true. He'd be the second most powerful person in Egypt and his brothers would bow down to him for respect, not knowing who they were bowing to. Then there were the two dreams that Joseph told after he was in prison due to Potiphar's wife's actions in Genesis chapter 40 verses 12 to 19. Though the butler in the jail would end up being free, but the baker would come out of jail and be executed. And finally, there were the two dreams of Pharaoh in Genesis chapter 41 that Joseph correctly interpreted, meaning that there was going to be a famine up ahead and they needed to prepare and Joseph who would be the one who would prepare the land for it. All these dreams came true because they came from God and whatever God says comes to pass. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth a bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. Isaiah chapter 55, verses 10 to 11. But what's even more striking about this story was that the whole story of Joseph was a prophecy for Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ had to deal with envious brothers in John chapter 7, verses 2 to 5. Jesus Christ showed integrity through temptation in Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 to 11. He sowed something good by working in God's plan, and he reaped something good by being rewarded by God with honor and respect. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven, of, and things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Philippians chapter 2, 
verses 5 to 11. And he also showed providence. God showed providence through Jesus Christ by saving all the future Christians that would exist in this world through the ransom sacrifice. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. John chapter 3, verse 16. And finally, he was a very forgiving person. He forgave a sinner in Simon's house of her sins. In Luke chapter 7, verse 48. He forgave a man with palsy of his sins. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 2. He forgave even his killers and asked God to do the same. In Luke chapter 23, verse 34. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And finally, through his ransom sacrifice, Jesus forgave us of all of our sins. According to Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 and 7. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. In conclusion, the story of Joseph and his brothers is quite interesting and fun to read, but it is important we understand its lessons. We have to be more like Joseph and less like people like Potiphar's wife or Joseph's brothers, because it is Joseph's quality that is the quality that God is looking for in his children. And that is the end of my talk on the subject, Joseph and his brothers. Thank you for listening. And that, my viewers, is some information on the subject, Joseph and his brothers. We have to understand, people who are innocent, scripturally speaking, will never go the easy way out. They have to go through some persecution. That First Peter chapter 4 talks a lot about how we suffer for Jesus Christ and God Almighty. In Psalm chapter 59 verse 3, David the psalmist had stated, For lo, they lie in wait for my soul. The mighty are gathered against me. Not for my transgression, nor for my sin, O Lord. Such people are innocent before God, like Joseph and Jesus when he was on earth were at the time. But because such people are righteous and did not fall because of various persecutions, they were outlets through which other people were blessed. And not only that, but anybody who cursed them would be cursed, and anybody who blessed them would, through that person, be blessed, like Abraham, because that was one of the offers that God had given him in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in these shall all families of the earth be blessed. Let's see also chapter 22 from verses 16 to 19, meaning that anybody who curses you, I'm going to take that curse, turning it into a blessing, put it in your pocket, and send the curse back to that guy so that he can experience what it means to reap what you sow, like my brother was talking about. If read Job chapter 4, verse 8, Proverbs chapter 22, verse 8, and also that Galatians chapter 6 in verses 7 and 8, specifically verse 7. To conclude this episode, we are once again going to hear a tune that some of us might enjoy.
I hope you enjoyed this video. Hope you learned something most importantly. Please try to subscribe, share this video, and click the notification bell to be notified when we make future uploads. Thank you for listening. Oh, one more thing. If you like what you heard today, feel free to share a message at https colon double slash anchor.fm slash it pays to fear God slash message. Once again, that's https colon double slash anchor.fm slash it pays to fear God slash message. Hope to hear your wonderful feedback.